so the passage that we're reading is Mark 2, verse 1 <clears throat> to 12. So I'll give you a minute to find that in your Bible or your phone. So the passage is titled, Jesus Heals a Paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Oh, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk? But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be in Missions Month, isn't it? And over the five weeks of August, uh, yeah, five weeks, we've got an extra week this year, um, we'll be having various people come and share about what it means to be a vibrant community. Uh, A few years ago, I went to Bangladesh, and I loved the culture in Bangladesh. One of my favourite memories from my time in Bangladesh was uh, where we travelled to a remote village, and uh, in that remote village, we, we woke early in the morning to this beautiful sun rising over these sort of rice fields. And we went walking into the local village and, and we went from this peaceful, serene sort of place into this bustling spice market. They had everything there. It was uh, fresh fish. They had um, spices laid out on rugs. They had um, wheat. They had flour. Everything you could imagine. And it was incredible. I'd not ever seen anything this vibrant and colourful. There was a buzz in the community as people traded and chatted and went about their morning. If I were to sum it up, the vibrant would be the right word for it. The word vibrant can be something that is bright and full of life. It gives us a picture of an excited hustle and bustle, an air of expectation, uh, a sense of life to it. A little bit about what I felt after Collingwood's win over West Coast yesterday. Excitement. Short-lived. Anyway, as we consider Missions Month, we'll be exploring what a vibrant community of faith looks like. And we'll hear from some people who have served overseas in overseas contexts, as Moana and Vili are doing, and also in contexts closer to home. 
What does it look like to have a vibrant community of faith? And as we think about today's reading, we'll see that a group of friends, they they get together, they band together to break through whatever barrier they needed to in order to bring their friend to Jesus. And and through this story, I, I want to suggest that vibrant communities of faith are communities of people who know and love Jesus, who long to introduce others to Jesus and long to see the transformation in others' lives that has happened to us and will bust through any obstacles to make that happen. You see, I believe that every church wants to be a vibrant community of faith. Every church wants to see Jesus glorified and shared throughout the community and indeed the rest of the world. That's Jesus' mandate to us. It's central to our faith. However, I wonder if we've ever considered that to be a vibrant community of faith, we all have to play a part in having Jesus seen in our community. I want you to imagine what a vibrant community of faith-filled believers might look like, where their excitement of knowing Jesus personally flows from well beyond the Sunday and seeps into our workplaces, into our schools, into our universities, into our neighbourhoods, where we're helping others to get a glimpse of Jesus and have that encounter that you may have already had with him. I believe we can achieve this type of church community as we seek a vibrancy of faith for ourselves. Uh, a daily lived out faith. We've been talking about that in the past sort of two months. Because mission, it starts with disciples who are seeking to bring a vibrancy of faith into every part of their lives. Whether it's through church through the work that you do, when you're walking your dog and you say hello to someone through your mask. Having a vibrant faith is essential to seeing vibrant communities of faith grow and to bring those who, know, who don't know Jesus to him as well. Because every vibrant community of faith should introduce others to the love and grace of Christ. And they can do it by following five examples that are set out in Mark chapter 2. You see, the story that Iona read to us this morning helps us to think missionally because at the heart of mission is bringing people to Jesus. It's exactly what these men do with their friend. They heard the reports that Jesus was back and the crowds, they flocked to him, so much so that there's no room for anyone else to get in. We note that at this stage, there doesn't seem to be a lot of healing actually happening. Verse 2 says that he was speaking the word to them. The The word was so attractive to the people of this town that they crammed into the house to hear Jesus speak it. They may have heard about healings. They may have heard about what Jesus was doing. But it was the word that kept them in there. And then these four men, they also wanted to get in. They wanted to see Jesus. And they wanted to bring their paralyzed friend to him also. They knew of Jesus' power to heal. So the group, they take their paralyzed friend on a stretcher to see him. Only there was no more room in this house. They hit this barrier. They hit this blockage on their quest to introduce their friend to Jesus. They've got no way of getting this stretcher in where Jesus was. The house was full. And you can imagine the doorway would be full and it would be chock-a-block back for rows cramming to get into this place. Yet it didn't stop these men, did it? Because they knew how important it was to bring their friend to Jesus. 
It would have been easy for them to just turn around and go back home and try again another day. Perhaps Jesus will be there tomorrow and it'll be a bit quieter. But they knew that if only they could get their friend to see Jesus, it would transform his life. No waiting until next Jesus tour hits his town. There's, there's no sort of thinking, oh, I've got to wait, I can wait. This, it's an urgent thing for them. So they, may, they take a massive risk to see him. I mean, can you imagine lifting a, a man, a fully grown man, on a stretcher up onto a roof? It's hard enough for, for physios on a soccer pitch to take a soccer player off the ground. Have a look at this video. It uh, explains a bit. Αν αψανταίματα. Βαγγελάκη τα λέει με τον Καβουσάκη, ο οποίος διαμαρτύρεται για καθυστέρηση του Κούτρι. Πάμε στον Κώστα Γιαλιτάκη. Σε πολύ λίγο θα έχουμε την πρώτη κίνηση από πλευρά των φιλοξενούμενων, καθώ ήδη ετοιμάζεται να περάσει τον αγωνιστικό χώρο Μανώλη Φουκαράκη. Και νέα νεύρα με συγχωρεί Κώστα, γιατί ο Μπανούση εξακολουθεί να αλλάζει κουβέντε εκεί με του ανθρώπου του Εργοτέλη. Παρόντο του Αγγελάκη, ο Κούτρι τώρα θα σηκωθεί για να βγει με το φορείο. Έπεσαν οι τραυματιοφορεί. Αυτό δεν είναι ωραία εικόνα. Δεν είναι ωραία εικόνα αυτό σίγουρα. Αυτό δεν είναι. Δεν είναι ωραία εικόνα αυτό. Εκνευρίστηκαν και άνθρωποι του Εργοτέλη. Κώστα Γιαλιτάκη, νομίζω ότι. I dare say those men weren't the ones getting their friend up on the roof. Uh, but can you imagine it? Can you imagine them trying to lift a, a, a man on a stretcher that is a bit wobbly onto a roof and then to lower, scratch a hole out of the roof and then to lower him down again? It takes a special kind of relationship, doesn't it, to do that? It takes some teamwork to do it. It, 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 it takes some audacity to not give up. It, it takes a risk and it finds this creative way of bringing their friend to Jesus. These men, they remove the barriers to seeing their friend see Jesus. You know, sometimes the cultural, the religious, the political barriers seem more obvious when we consider a global mission. Going into a heavily Buddhist community in Cambodia with an Australian background, the barriers of language, of tradition, of culture, of religion, they're in your face almost as, as soon as you get off the plane. But what is true across the world is also true in our Australian neighbourhood as well. We live now in an increasingly secular and multicultural community. There are growing barriers that people in our local neighbourhoods face before they can come to see Jesus. We've got to do some work to find out what they are. And how can we creatively break down those barriers so that our communities, the places that we live, can be transformed by encountering Jesus right where they are? How can being a vibrant community of faith introduce others to Christ also. I want to suggest five ways that we can do this. The first one is vibrant communities produce authentic relationships. 
Longevity researcher Dan Butner, he says this on the health relationships of friendships, health benefits of friendships. He says, I argue that the most powerful thing you can do to add healthy years is to curate your immediate social network, not social media network, your social network. In general, you want friends whom you can have a meaningful conversation, you can call on them on a bad day, and they will care. Your group of friends are better than any drug or anti-aging supplement and will do more for you than just about anything. Deep relationships matter. Authentic relationships matter. The four men carrying their friend on a stretcher had a deep relationship. We're not given the backstory of their lives in Scripture. We don't know if they went to school together or they were cousins or brothers or played cricket in the streets. We don't know of their situation. What we do know is that they had a deep enough relationship with this man that they would do anything to get him to see Jesus. I believe that all people are longing for an authentic relationship. A relationship that gives and receives. I have a friend, I haven't seen him for quite a while. I met him when we were at Newport and we became really good friends. We, he came through our, our playgroup system and we'd take our daughters out for coffee and most of the time we were just laughing together. We'd chat. We'd explore life. We'd discuss the big changes that were happening in our lives. My friend didn't go to church. He didn't have a faith background even. And I didn't ever share the four spiritual laws in a progression with him. Our friendship was built on enjoying spending time together. There were times where, I, yes, I prayed for him. He understood my faith and I had opportunities to share my story with him. And I got the chance to listen to his story. He may not have ever come to faith yet. He may not be baptised yet. He may not be sent out on mission yet. But I trust that the relationship that we had for those years will one day be recalled as someone else of faith steps in and befriends him as well. As someone else develops an authentic, deep relationship with him. In the context of authentic relationships, we journey with our friends in all aspects of life. And in the end, we trust that we will experience the hope of Jesus that we experienced. See, the transformation didn't come from the, the friends, did it? The friends that lifted him down didn't transform their friend. Jesus did the transformation. The authentic relationship that brought them to that place, though, where they ripped the roof off a building and lowered their friend down, they brought their friend to Jesus. Jesus did the transformation. Those who are called to mission beyond our shores, their key task is to understand their culture, the language, the context that they're to live in, so that they can be effective in advancing the kingdom of God. But their main mission really is to build authentic relationships. That's what we're hearing from Moana and Vili, to build those authentic relationships that allow them to see Jesus for themselves. Sally, who you'll be speaking on at the Unearthed event on Monday, make sure you get on board with that. She's an intercultural worker at, uh, in Mozambique. And she's a friend with an older Yao Muslim woman in Mozambique. And one day the woman comes to Sally's house to tell her that her cousin is in labour and had gone to hospital. Sally sits down with her friend and prays for the woman in labour and the baby and prays for them in Jesus' name. 
The following morning, Sally and her friend go to visit her cousin in hospital, and they're delighted to discover that she has been given birth to twins. Sally's friend's can't, friend can't contain her excitement and begins to share with all present that God had heard their prayer and blessed their family with two beautiful babies. Later that day, they bring the twins home and the family agree that Sally can pray and thank God for his provision. Just as they begin to pray, two highly respected chiefs of the village walk into the room, curious to see the babies for themselves. And to Sally's surprise her friend boldly asked the chiefs of this village to join them in prayer to Jesus. And to her amazement, they agreed to do that. See, this is truly amazing as it's very uncommon for a woman in Mozambique to lead men in prayer, let alone in the name of Jesus. Together they pray and they thank Jesus, not as a prophet, but as the Son of God. Now Sally continues to spend time with her friend, read stories of Jesus in, from the Bible. Her friend is excited to discover, to discover more wonderful messages of hope that they find in the gospel. Recently, she shared that Jesus had even visited her in dreams, something that's very meaningful in the Yao culture. See, Sally's story begins with authentic relationships that allow her to speak deeply into the community that she now lives the, th the second thing that vibrant communities do is that vibrant communities work together. I, th I assume we've been watching the Olympics. I've been watching a fair bit of the Olympics. And Olympics give preachers uh, a lot of good stories of battle and grit and determination and some funny stories in there as well. There are, there are many times where teams reach beyond and, and go from adversary, adversity to, to win and, and, and championships and all this sort of stuff. But I love watching the basketball. I'm, I'm a big basketball fan. I've loved watching the basketball. And I've always had an interest in watching the American team because they've always been stacked with what is presumed to be the best players in the world. So they would say. <laughs> They're generally, generally right. From the, the, the start of the Dream Team era, which was in 1992, teams, uh, this team, this Dream Team, had the likes of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bruce. These are, are legends of the game, not just for that period, forever. These are, are, are legends. At that stage, Australia had Luke Longley. Uh, he was our NBA sort of hero. Um, we had people like Shane Hill and Andrew Gaze. If you know basketball, you'll remember these names. They had stints in the NBA, but we were just no match for this team that was the, the greatest of all time. Jordan introduced us to, to the GOAT last week. The greatest of all time. That was the 1992 Men's Olympic team. However, this year, the American team has, this dream team has been already beaten three times, twice in warm-up and once in the competition by France. Why? I reckon, it's Tarquin's basketball coach sums it up like this, he says this, we're not a team of champions, but we are a champion team. See, the American team, they may be a team of champions, individual champions, and I watched the game last night, and some individuals just are phenomenal. You see these shots put up and you go, how do they make that shot? They're the best in the world, they are, but they've not played as a team. Unfortunately, they're starting to play as a team, and that's that was a bit of disaster for the rest of the competition. But anyway, but there are a bunch of individuals doing things on their own. They're never going to achieve as much as when they work to, together towards a goal. Can you imagine if the four friends were all trying to do it their own way? One pushing through the front door, one breaking down the back door, one on the roof, the other just going, I give up. <laughs> and forgetting their friend on the stretcher way back in their house. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. 
as you go about sharing the good news of Christ. Do it knowing you have a team behind you, backing you, prayerfully encouraging you as you share your faith, as you be Christ in your community. One of my favourite Bible verses, you've probably heard me talk about this before, is Hebrews 10.24. I use it quite a lot, but here it is again. It says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Consider how we may spur one another on, push other one, um, one another on towards this, this gospel message, love and doing good to, to others. It is the gospel. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It is through being together, sharing stories of hope together, praying for one another together and doing ministry together that we'll see others come to Christ. You know, if Christianity was an Olympic sport, it wouldn't be an individual sport, it would be a team sport. As a church, we need to gather together as best we can in lockdowns, but even when we're not together, we can be together in Christ. As we seek to share Christ in our community here and beyond, as we run ministries, as we learn, as we grow, we don't do it alone. We do it together. Share the stories with one another. Encourage each other. Together, see the kingdom of God grow right here in Melbourne. Over the past few weeks, we've talked a lot about being part of connect groups and a small group being a small group of people who share and love and explore scripture together and hopefully seek to be missional together as well. A connect group is a, is a team that comes together to spur one another on. And I can't say it enough. If you're not involved in a connect group, get into one. Don't put it off. Don't make excuses. It's a vital part of discipleship. Starting point for mission. Starting point for togetherness. So vibrant communities, they work as a team. The third thing that vibrant communities do is they don't give up. A vibrant community is a community that keeps pressing through adversity. These men, they arrive at the house and there's a, a challenge. There's a barrier, isn't there? But they face it with creative, solution-focused thinking. They could have just turned around and gone home again and said, we're not going to do this, it's too hard. We're going to do something different. They said, we're going to make a difference because we need our friend to get to Jesus. They didn't say no to the barrier. They didn't say the barrier is too much. You know, for 40% of the world yet to hear the message of Jesus, 40% of the world is yet to hear the message of Jesus, sorry. We need to help them hear this message in ways that make sense to them. And sometimes, now especially, it means we might have to do mission differently. Just yesterday I saw on Facebook... Carl Fays had posted about the Humanist Coalition who are running a campaign to get people in this current census to tick the box, no religion. It's ridiculous that anyone can run a campaign for a census. This is your information. I don't understand it at all. But anyway, local governments um, are pushing at the moment that the traditional prayer that opens council meetings be abolished. More than ever, there seems to be a disdain for the church. Perhaps disdain is a bit hard, but to, a, a real sort of weariness towards the church. Maybe disdain is the right word. Negative press outweighs all the positives that come from the many churches in Australia that serve in a local capacity, that are at the forefront of, when it comes to things like disaster relief. 
We don't hear those stories in the news. Doing mission, therefore, has to look different to what it always has. Because the reliance on what we've done in the past to share the good news doesn't seem to be having the same impact on a post-Christendom world. But the challenge for all of us, all of us missionaries, we're all missionaries of God's grace, is that we can't see the blockage and say, it's too hard. We can't refuse to give up or give in. We must refuse to accept defeat. We mustn't say it's too hard to bring people to Jesus. We must be like the men in Mark 2 that find new, innovative ways of bringing this message, uh, this man to Christ. Never did they say no. Never did the obstacle get too big. Getting their friend to Jesus was greater and more important and more urgent than any obstacle. And it leads us to point four. Vibrant communities try new things to point people to Jesus. Just this week, Keith Richardson, part of our church here, started a Heart Foundation walking club. Um, I believe there were a few people that went. I'm not sure if anyone in the building went, but I know there were a few people that went, um, which is really good. But the opportunity that came for Keith after he was told he needed to to do some more walking for his heart um, to, to be more healthy. So he said, why not see who comes and see what relationships start up and what conversations need to, could become could start to happen. Keith needed to do walking anyway. It's innovative. New ways of connecting with people. It's not hard, but it's innovative. Innovative. Often we think we have to come up with the great program or we have to have a well-written and impactful testimony or we have to um, be able to pull that out and say the gospel on cue. Perhaps we feel we have nothing to offer our neighbours who are hurting or have kids that play drums at inappropriate hours of the day so they won't want to see us. Not that our kids, Tarquin, doesn't do that at all. He's he's really great. (laughs) But often it's these things that provide the opportunities to grow and develop deeper relationships. It's giving the surplus of your eggs to the neighbour who, who then feels the freedom to walk down your driveway to give you firewood, which is what happened in our community. We just took some eggs across and now they bring us firewood. It's great. We build relationship and they tell us how that we can uh, best uh, make our roses look better because we're not very good rose people. Sorry, roses. It might be using the gifts God's already given you, the gift of, of craft, using your trade, your passion for sport, whatever it might be, finding new ways of seeking to help to be a vibrant community. At the start of next term, we'll be doing what we call the SHAPE course, a course that explores your fit for serving and ministry, I suppose. It's an acronym that'll be explained as we get to it. But the A in shape, S-H-A, the A stands for abilities. Because God's given you abilities to use for his glory. Find them and explore how God might help you use them in a world that needs to hear the good news of Christ more now than ever it has in the, in the, in, in the past. And find unique, innovative ways to do so. Being a, a vibrant community of God's people will be people who are not afraid to try new ways of engaging with the community around us, with your direct community, with the community here at Kilsyth South and beyond, whether it be in Croydon or Bayswater, wherever you may be, whether it be at home, wherever it is for you. And it also leads to our last point, which says, vibrant communities take risks. These group of friends, they took a massive risk, didn't they? They could have failed. It would have been easy to have failed. 
they could have all fallen through the roof and caused a massive disaster. It would have been a, a different story altogether. There was no guarantee that even if they got the man down into the room that Jesus would even do anything. In fact, they wouldn't have known any of this. They couldn't have predicted what was to happen. Yet when they saw the man, when Jesus saw the man dropping through the ceiling, verse 5 of Mark chapter 2 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Note that Jesus saw the faith of those who took the risk, those who were still sitting on the roof. And then Jesus got to the heart of the man's problems, his sins. Because before healing him of the physical burden, he healed him of the spiritual burden. Good day for that man. <laughs> but having faith is risky. It's no good walking along a tightrope that is on the ground and exclaiming that you're the best tightrope walker in the world. <laughs> it's not a risk. Walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls, now that is risky. Charles Blondin, he walked 160 feet above Niagara Falls several times, back and forth between Canada and the United States, with huge crowds on both sides, all looking on in shock and awe. Once he crossed in a sack, he crossed on stilts, he crossed on a bicycle, and he even carried a stove and cooked an omelette in the middle at one stage. On July 15, Blondin walked backward across the tightrope to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. The Blondin story is told that it was after pushing this wheelbarrow across the bl um, while blindfolded, Blondin then asked the crowds uh, for their participation. The crowds had watched and they'd ooed and they'd aahed. He'd proven that he could do it. They'd watched him, they'd seen him, there was no doubt. But now he was asking for a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow and take him for a ride across the falls with him. Would you do it? <coughs> Excuse me. He asked his audience, do you believe I can carry a person across in this wheelbarrow? And what do you think the, the audience said? Well, of course. We believe that. But when they said, who will get in the wheelbarrow? No one did. See, taking faith risks in pointing people to Jesus might feel like getting into Blondin's wheelbarrow. I can trust God when I'm firmly on land and walking the tightrope that's on the solid floor. But when I have to get into the wheelbarrow, well, that's a risk too great to take. Yet that's what we're called to do. Being a vibrant community, helping others see Jesus is going to be risky. It might mean that you're not popular for voicing your opinion. It might mean that you're labelled by society it might mean that you have the door slammed in your face. Yet that risk may be the difference that your friend needs to see Jesus themselves. You know, it's a challenge for KSBC as a church as well. Going through COVID has taught us that we need to be flexible, hasn't it? We need to adapt. We need to pivot really quickly. All these words that we never used to use in sentences that we'd use as a regular weekly basis. And moving forward in a COVID world, we as a church and the wider church will have to take risks to reach out to those who have not heard about Jesus. I believe that a vibrant church will be less governed by programs and more governed by discipleship that seeks to build authentic relationships with those that we have influence on, as well as deepening relationships with others through connect groups. This is why I want to keep pushing the connect group thing. Because right now, we can't have everyone back in the building at once. And that's been a year and a half already, and it's going to happen for a lot longer. 
It's not getting closer to having more people. In fact, after lockdown five, I reckon it's further than, than it has in the past. So we have to think differently. We have to take some risks. Perhaps not everyone's going to like it. But if we're going to be people who do anything to bring others to Jesus, we need to change some things about as well. We need to take risks. You know, through this inspiring story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man because of the faith of his friends, we're encouraged to step into God's mission ourselves, to be faithful, just like the friends, to take risks, to not give up, to work together to develop these authentic relationships. So these are the markers of a vibrant community of faith. I'm looking forward to the rest of Missions Month and hearing how others have engaged in developing vibrant communities in different contexts. Don't forget that tomorrow night, Solari is going to be leading a Global Interaction Unearthed event where you can hear from Sally in Mozambique. Um, Unearthed is generally for sort of the teens and young adults, so if you're a teen and young adults, get on board. But if anyone else wants to see it as well, um, you can give Solari a call or you just get online and you'll see the, uh, the, the Zoom links there as well. Next week, we're going to hear from Ryan and Susie Smith. Some of you may know Ryan and Susie. They got married in this church. Um, but they've, uh, we've just started supporting them as they head out to mission as well. And they're going to share all about their mission. And as we go through the month, we'll hear from different stories of our missionaries and different people as well. I look forward to hearing these stories because it gives us encouragement to continue to be developing this vibrant community right where we are now. Let's pray. So our God, as we seek to be vibrant in our personal lives, may we speak to be vibrant in faith as a community, that others will be drawn to you because of the faith that we have. God, may you just use us as your hands and feet to share this journey of faith with those who need to hear it. And God, I pray right now that if there's anyone here, anyone online, that is hearing a message of hope, of healing, of faith for the first time. God, that you will speak to them, that they will just say yes to you in this moment. That God, that you will come into their lives and give them the, the fullness of life that comes through knowing you. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.